I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Danilo's free. We've seen them attack them and they're threatening! Well, that's what I've wanted to see Robinson do! Tyler Wadi scores! And the sticky ground goes ballistic! He's through here! And in the end, Forrest will say it doesn't matter how you play as long as you win it! Hello and welcome to another edition of Red Side of the Trent as we look to review Forrest's terrific away win at the Stamford Bridge as we ran out 1-0 winners thanks to an Anthony Alanga finesse finish. I'm joined by Christian Brown and Lee Clark as ever. No Reese Lane who has got, gone off on his holidays uh, this, week, this weekend and obviously before the international break it's good to bring you a win just before that. It took us what somewhat eight months or whatever it was to win away last season. So it's finally good. It's good to have done it so early in amongst a crazy, crazy away fixture. Obviously, we're still baffled about how we got that. I'm going to start with you, Lee. A surprise in the lineup, as we really thought Ryan Yates and Czech Kiati might be our early fit midfielders. Oram and Gala back in for the departing Brennan Johnson, who we will speak about a little bit later on. Uh, Danilo fit enough to start. Always a question mark over midfield, though, isn't it? Especially when you're playing a what two hundred plus million pound midfield. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I think it's Steve. Cooper. We've got to love Steve Cooper for that, haven't we? He's always quite coy in his press press conferences about who's going to be fit and who's not. Um, so it was nice to see Mangala and Danilo in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like we're not going to have Danilo in there for a little bit now, um, given the injury he picked up yesterday, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it was always going to be who we were going to put against, like you say, £200 million worth of uh, talent. And well, Ryan Yates woke up with £200 million in his pocket, didn't he? So <laughs> happy days. Um, yeah, it was it, it was nice to see. I was pleased that the, the main men were fit, the main men that were available, should I say, um, whether they'll they'll still be the main men after the transfer window again, which I'm sure we'll come on to, uh, remains to be seen. But uh, at least they gave a good account of themselves. And it struck me as the sort of performance that suggested, bugger, we've signed loads of players that play in my position. I need to play well today. Um, So, yeah, good to see. It's extremely healthy competition, I think. Christian, fairly even first half, I would think. Tyra Wundy probably Mm -hmm. with 
two good chances, maybe the first more so than the second one where him and Warrell kind of go for the same ball, but with the form that he's in, do you expect him to do better there? It's a bit, it's hard. I mean, I feel like if one doesn't interrupt the other, whoever strikes it probably tests the keeper at the very least. But it just seems that the presence of the other just puts the other one completely off. And obviously, Taiwo basically puts it in a fucking Craven Cottage, doesn't he? But, um, <laughs> like, I, I I see what you're saying. Obviously, you think a man in the rich vein of form that he is in would probably do better with that chance. But I do also think that if Worrell isn't there, he probably does. And vice versa. I mean, it, it's just a thought. It's just a lack of communication from the two, really. Um, obviously, I think, you know, vice versa. If Worrell screams, that's Joe's, Joe's ball. And Taiwo left it then Morrill probably, you know, either forces Sanchez into a save or scores himself if he gets it on target. So it's just one of those. I, I'm reluctant to be too harsh on him for that because I can see why and where it went wrong. But yeah, it would be nice if he got it on target, I suppose. But it is what it is, to quote a full manager. Yeah, I think it's good that Tyro's getting in those positions because he's not really getting loads and loads of chances every game is he he's kind of gets he, he gets one and normally he scores so nice that he's got it, his position yeah. to, to have a few no absolutely yeah uh, I, mean, I think it's one of those all the data nerds sort of say don't they that, you know Taiwo does seem to have a habit of popping up in good goal scoring positions so and that was the case again yesterday to be fair yeah two chances didn't he yeah, definitely. Um, not obviously much to report, obviously, for the rest of the first half, Lee, but three minutes into it, and uh, not for the first time, Moises Casido has made an error against us where we've capitalised on a poor touch. Good work from a combination of Mangala and Yates to poke the ball away from him. And to say Tyrell won, he's been on the end of a lot of these chances. It's a inch-perfect ball and an inch-perfect finish from that man, Anthony Alanga. Talk yeah, through it, it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's not very often that Paul Merson will compare Anthony Alanga to Thierry Henry, I suppose. Do you know what? I think pundits say a lot of things that get kind of really scrutinised. But I, I do kind of see where he's coming from with the body movement. It was quite kind of coy to put his body into that shape without kind of giving too much away for the keeper. Um, I just think it was really instinctive and... I think one of Elanga's criticisms before he'd kicked the ball for us was probably that he's really quick, gets into some really good positions, but he's a bit speedboat without a driver. And I think that goal probably said that with regular game time and the shackles off, um, as he poked towards um, United on his Instagram by putting the Miri Miri Shackles song over his goal, um, obviously they never played him. I think that if that is the case and he's going to play more often, I think that's probably what he's capable of. I think it's certainly what he needs to do, like we alluded to on this podcast before. Four goals in 55 games for United for a player who plays for a club that's that good probably isn't good enough. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's certainly a great start and, and how vital those three points could be. I just think it was... I saw the TikTok that Forrest put on and it's like a real close-up of a one-year slipping it through Thiago Silva's legs and then Elanga finishing. It's like... Two years ago, we were absolutely rubbish against Middlesbrough, <laughs> calling for you and to get sacked and wondering whether we'd be in League One the following year. And all of a sudden, we've got this on TikTok, like ripping the absolute shit out of Chelsea, who have cost a billion pounds to assemble. So, yeah, it's, it's all a bit surreal at the minute, I think, for me. I mean, I think the the run from Elanga to burst past Levi Colwell, and then he can only take the one touch before he has to finish. And, and 
I, I said it on Twitter, it was aesthetically pleasing because he kind of like does it all almost in one motion. So mm. if there's if if hopefully that's more to come from from him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um there is more to come. I mean he's he's only twenty one. I mean it's it's I think twenty one and fifteen million is a pretty good investment. I know there'll be certain players that we can say that you know, they play a few games and you think already, oh, no, it's not going to be a good investment. But he just looks like the sort of player that even when... I think if you're a forward player, the, the challenge for you is when, when you've got a, an opposition defender that's kind of got your number, that you don't get disheartened and you keep going. And I think Alanga looks like the sort of player that will do that. He seems really positive in what he does. And even if things don't come... when he, Obviously, the key is going to be when at the minute he's an impact sub. So when he starts games... He might come up against a fullback that has got his number a little bit. Um, but yeah, certainly it looks like the sort of player that's going to give us blood, sweat and tears for every single second he's on the pitch, which can only be a good thing. Definitely. Christian, I've got a few things to talk to you about in, in, in the closing stages of the game. The first bit is Willie Bolly's tackle on uh, Nicholas Jackson is sensational, to say the least, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... There was, yeah, it was that was very much a heart and mouth moment when um that slide tackle came in. I thought Bollier's on the whole was outstanding yesterday as well. To be fair, like I think nothing more epitomised in the last 15, 20 minutes where he's basically playing with one leg because obviously his hamstring <laughs> is gone. That you're still soldiering on because we have no more subs to make, and um you wouldn't have forced it at times. To be fair, like you're still heading and clearing everything, but um no that block especially. I think you're right. It epitomised the desire of the team. I thought that block as well. And you can level, I think Warren made one fairly similar as well, that was quite like bodying the line, sort of help us. And um, yeah, I think I saw someone say, it might have been the Times actually, that you um, you can sort of see the difference between what Cooper's done and what Chelsea have at the minute in terms of we've signed a lot of players, but you can tell that the the players have the belief, the, the mantra, sorry, that, you know, uh, give your all for what's on the front of the shirt and they remember what's on the back. Whereas the Chelsea, still, Chelsea team at the minute still seem a bit like a team of individuals. And you can see by the team spirit that we've had that Cooper's instilled that, you know, the desire to win and the desire to hold out was so strong. And yeah, like you said, that body tackle was a perfect example of it. I mean, it, it also helped that that the Jackson missed uh, probably one of the misses of the season. I mean, we had one last week in Casemiro. We've had one this week in Nicholas Jackson. So our luck is going a little bit in our way. But I did want to talk to you as well, Christian, about the forest resilience and kind of what stuck out to you in the difference between last week and maybe at Arsenal, uh, yeah, more more so last week because we was two goals ahead and, and this week where it seemed like we was completely and utterly focused in, in doing, getting the job done and frustrating Chelsea from just going side to side where they couldn't really break us down. What what, what kind of stuck out to you in that sense? Well, it quite helps having officials that don't want the opposition team to win, which is quite nice, um, <laughs> which is a big factor yesterday. But um, no, it, it reminded me a bit of the Arsenal game, to be fair. You know, when um, in the last season we won 1-0 when Tyro scored and we just suffocated mm. all the space in the final thirds. Like, because Chelsea, especially after we scored, had a lot of the ball in our half, but it couldn't really make it work or do anything with it. Like I was like I was saying to you guys at the time, I was like, stop giving Enzo Fernandez time and space to pick his passes because he will hurt us. But ultimately, they, they couldn't get through. Even he couldn't find, pick the lock because there was nothing happening. There was nowhere for their players to go. Like, it just felt like, I think, again, even when, again, a bit of when Mudrick came on, there was a chance when um, he was he was dreadful as was. I mean, £90 million for that. Jesus Christ. But, um, like, there was an example where we had a corner, they had a corner, sorry, and it sort of got half cleared. 
uh, just about 40 yards out. And Mudrick just takes a shot for no reason. I mean, it hit Yates in the face and Yates went down with a head injury. But like, it was going over anyway. It was like, why are you shooting from 40 yards out? Like, whatever game plan Cooper instilled, and however we sort of controlled the space and suffocated it completely, it was, you know, at many points, it felt like the perfect away performance. And I think, um, obviously, you, re- you referenced the Jackson miss as well. That's When he missed that, I sort of thought maybe it is actually going to be our day for once. Because, like, you know, how often do you get an opportunity like that where a £30 million player decides to, you know, take a kid out on the stand rather than put it into an empty net? Although Montiel may have got down the line, who knows? But, um, yeah, I just felt tactically we were very, very good yesterday. And you sort of have to be when you go to these clubs. And then maybe against United, we were a little bit more naive at times. We got a bit worried and, you know, it was... I didn't really say it in the last pod, but you sort of felt it in the stands a little bit. We went to and up. It was sort of like, oh, Christ, maybe we've had our fun now. And like when Ericsson scored, there was that impending feeling that they were going to win the game one way or the other by hook or by crook. Sadly, it turned out by crook. But um, yeah, I think that we seemed a bit more. Maybe so. I think Cooper mentioned about you know taking anger from that game into this, and it sort of showed because we were sort of like that we're not having this again. And yeah, hopefully it worked. <laughs> yeah, Lee, what does it say about the mentality of the team? Obviously, we've gone to Arsenal, scored, and and had a respectable result. We went two 0 up at Man United, although we, in some some case, you could say we we chucked that away, but again showed a real competitiveness and then yesterday we go to the bridge it's the first time we've beat them since 1997 i believe it is and and that 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 must give us so much confidence obviously because it took us a million years to win away from home last season but that must really i mean, I mean kind of don't want the international break to come now do you yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think it's ninety five since we last won at Stamford Bridge, but yeah, in terms of beating Chelsea it was ninety seven. But um I think it just shows we're improving. I think it just shows that the mentality now is not we don't belong here, it's we do belong here and you know, whoever we're playing, we're gonna roll up our sleeves and give it a really good go. Um it, again, I've said this before on the podcast, it's the old I always think of the old Newcastle mantra. With us away last year, we were literally just rolling over and having our bellies tickled. Well, Newcastle always say, don't they? They don't demand a team that wins everything. They demand a team that tries to win every single game. And I think sometimes that isn't possible. Like, we'll go to Man City in a few weeks and we might have 10% possession. That's Man City. They're the treble winners. They're the champions of Europe. It can happen. But I think we did that far too often last year against teams that we should be competing with. And I think we've seen real opportunities with how Chelsea and Man U have started this season to go there and actually ruffle some feathers. And I think in our performances at both of those places, you know, it's exciting because we're going to play with, even though Chelsea are a bit of a basket case at the minute, we're going to, we're going to play worse teams than them away from home. So similar with United. I know that everyone says United has started shit and Ten Hag's a cheese farmer, as Christian likes to say. But, ulti- <laughs> but ultimately, they've they've run the team that runs City close to the title to the 90, 90th odd minute today. And they, they probably feel a bit aggrieved to not get a point from that game. So they've still got quality. And I think for us to go there and, and go too up and similarly yesterday, to have the kind of fearless... It's just fearless now. We We... we I watched the full 90 minutes today, I wasn't there. And it was just, even though we had to defend in periods, it was just a refreshing, we defended and we had a bit of a plan rather than just kind of defending on our own goal line. It was, it's just nice to see. And, you know, I just hope it continues at places where it'd be nice to kind of get a two goal lead at like a Wolves or a Palace or something like that, because they might not have the, the quality and the, the strategy to, to come back into the game. And hopefully we can start picking up a, 
you know, more points than what was it, eight or nine we got away last year. Um, mm. I mean, Cooper's not under any illusions that that needs to improve. So yeah, um, hopefully it can continue. But it, I just, it's kind of excitement with a bit of um, intrigue because I just hope we keep up um, against teams that we kind of can go and be on a level playing field with. Um, yeah. Rather than just the Chelsea Man Uniteds. Yeah, well, we'll see soon when we play Palace in a few, well, maybe in a month or so's time. I can never remember. I know we play them after Man City, I believe, away from home. But we're going to get into some slept on it thoughts. I will drop the little thing now. Red side of the Trent. (laughs) Slept on it thoughts. So, first of all, David Bullen. I mean, this made me chuckle and I actually replied to it on from our pod page. He says, what's that smell? Oh, yes, sauerkraut, pan au chocolat and paella. Better get used to it as Euro- Europe is beckoning next season. Amazing, amazing two days. Don't forget this feeling as it's special. Red tricky tree. Can't remember Yates having as good a game as the Gary Baldy read it than today. It's only eclipsed just by the skipper who has had an awful week on a personal level. It turns out for us and head, heads bricks away like that. Bolly, Maka, also very good. Team knew its job and kept to the scripts. Come on, your reds. Danny Tring, just back from the game. Yates and Warrell's best games in a Forrester. As for Bolly, he was unbelievable. Played on one leg for the last 10 minutes and still won every header. Can't underestimate how big a win that is. Come on, your reds. GN, a host of new signings waiting in the wings. The golden boy gone, but the heroes of last year show they are here to fucking do it and do it better. So, so happy with how we have been away from home this season compared to last. Carl Booth, Worrell and Bolly Masterclass, Alanga and Tyro, absolute menace to that Chelsea back line. If you thought for one second these new signings would uh, spell the end of Yates and Joe, you're dead wrong. Great performance and great win. BCP, eating my words from last week, Worrell was immense. And if you can, if you can be that consistent at this high level, then what's the defender we have on our hands? Stuart Clarkson, I slept in the car on the way home for 30 minutes. So here you go. Organised, high levels of concentration, fully committed and willing to fight for the, each other. Warhol immense, my man of the match, blocking, tackling, a true captain. Yates was everywhere. He must have ran 20 kilometres. A team performance. Uh, Premier Elliot, fantastic snatch and grab performance from everyone. Felt like promotion season when Forrest fought for each other and backed each other up. Fans exceptional again and all I could hear on my telly. Shout out to Adam from the Potter who's been great to me all week. Elliot, you're too kind. You're just a top lad, mate, so don't worry about that. Pressed a little higher. Uh, this is from Sam, sorry. Pressed a little higher. Gave them no time and fought like Warriors. Warrell immense. Yates likewise. Alanga composed finish. Massive win for us for once. We have a little breathing space and looking... Up, not down. Four games against tough opponents and no plus or minus goal difference. Tells a story. Uh, Capernosity and function. What? what this difficult names to read here. Won yesterday, won today. You can never ever have enough winning. The pressure to perform like in this squad will be unlike any other seen in a generation. The big man has provided the materials. It's time for Steve Cooper to produce a masterpiece. Uh, Sarah, heroic performance by Warrell Yates. He's superb. A special mention to Bolly, who literally put his body on the line. And after the upset of losing Jono, have we got a new star in the making at Alanga? Ty was always a beast. Gate day at the bridge. Martin Fretwell, wonderful team performance. And the black line, uh, back line was immense. Um, and then last of all, and no means least, it's a absent Reese Lane. Kept ourselves in the game first half. Brilliant goal and gave us something to hang on to. Absolute rock. Solid performance in defence. So many man of the match contenders, but I have to give it to Warrell, especially after losing a family member. Captain's performance. And now it's time for some player reviews, guys. 
Hang on, before we do that, I do have a red solid trend first, I believe, as well. Dave has given me his step on it thoughts as well. Uh, as you know, oh, as you've really listened yes. to Chelsea, Chelsea fan Dave, um, who went to the game, who had to calm himself down for a period before speaking to me, although I wasn't even that bad in my group chat. I just thought he was You didn't need to be. It's all right. right yeah, yeah it's, it's not, um, he's not part of the Chelsea fans I'd be going after if we were to beat them, we did. Um, but he said, none of this is a criticism because it worked to a T. I thought you went full Deitch's burn in the first half, just trying to disrupt the game as much as possible, giving fouls away, winning fouls and getting set pieces into the box. Then you just waited for the mistake second half. You never looked like conceding. What worries me more than anything is that Jackson's miss was our only good chance. You had the game plan nailed down to um, perfection. Wow, cheers, Steve. He's fairly, he's fairly gracious. That Burnley team yeah. got to Europe at one point, so and we're better than that. It so, did, yeah, I'm, it did. I'm, 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 if we're, we're going to be like Dash's Burnley, then <laughs> we're, we're in for a trip to Estonia in, in, in a few in a few years' time, maybe. Hopefully, uh, so yeah, player performances I alluded to. Lee, I'm going to give you Ola Aina. I actually thought defensively was magnificent. I mean, I, I completely forgot to mention the tackle he made in the first half, which was a goal-saving tackle. I feel like the Shoes he had to fill with Ren and Lodi coming in, uh, going out. Sorry, should I say, is is a, was big shoes to fill. He was a bit of a fan favourite by the time he left. I just think he he deserves some plaudits, and obviously he got now Tavares breathing down his neck a little bit. Obviously coming in on loan. Yeah, I think if I mean if you look at his Instagram, he doesn't think he was that great yesterday. Um, <laughs> so that I mean that's exciting in itself because I thought it was pretty good. Um, considering he was up against Sterling, who in terms of the first opening, you know, the opening blows of the Premier League, he's been pretty good. I think a lot of people were kind of shocked that he wasn't recalled to the England team given how he started. Um, so yeah, he, was, he, lo- he just looked steady. I think for a free transfer, you don't necessarily expect. You sometimes I think if you sign a player on a free that's not a big name who's you know, openly running his contract down, that sort of thing. There's always a bit of scepticism because you think, well, why is he free? Why aren't his club uh, signing him up again? Uh, but no, he just looks hardworking. He looks composed. He looks like the sort of player that will happily put a shift in anywhere if he, as long as he's playing in the team. I think uh, when you in our group chat, we kind of, someone shared the little snapshot of his, his little position map on Transfer Market website and, I think he plays everywhere except in goal. So he, he's obviously going to be a bit. He, I think he's obviously going to be viewed as a bit of a utility man, but that's not a problem. And yeah, he was he was steady yesterday. There was a couple of moments where they doubled up on him a little bit and got got in round the back, but not too many. And and usually he was he was there. You know, someone was on hand to kind of snuff out the danger anyway. So yeah, he just looks like a steady player. And I think on a free transfer, he'll prove to be a good bit of business. Definitely. Christian, I'm going to give you Anthony Alanga. I think you probably saw this coming because obviously you had massive doubts before he signed for Forest. You you read out the stat of, of him not contributing many goals, but in his first four games, he's contributed two in, a, in an assist and a goal, obviously, yesterday and looked very bright in the other couple of games as well. So take it away. Yeah, he's very good. And yes, there was no exception, really. I think, like Lee said earlier, it'd be interesting to see what he'll be like when he actually starts a game. He's not coming on against even semi-tired legs. So, but obviously his pace is electric. I mean, Carwell's no slouch. He was just miles behind him. I mean, his running style wasn't <laughs> to be examined, we could say. But um, he, yeah, Alanga just left him for dust. Um, I think we can see... I don't mean to sound as a negative. We, I can kind of see why United have let him go because his end products 
does need some work. There were two other occasions yesterday where he got into fantastic positions and went for goal. So there was one, him and Tavares worked it really well on the left to win the ball back. He carried it about 50, 60 yards. He's about 30 yards out and he had better options. He had wood in space. I think he had Kuyate in space as well, who could have passed to. He just shot tamely into Sanchez's arms. And it was just like, come on. And then obviously the bit at the end as well. I mean, fair play, him and Kuyate rush Madrid again and he skins him. But it's sort of like, could he have pulled that back to Wood at the far post for a tap-in? Probably. Did he have a right to shoot anyway? Arguable. But so you can kind of see his decision-making isn't quite there yet. But for someone who's 21, yeah, he's fair enough, fair enough. You can see why he was at, to give the other side of the coin, you can see exactly why he was at United to begin with, why he played 50-odd times for them. And, you know, why he's a full-speed international who exactly aren't exactly a poor nation by any stretch. He looked very good. His pace changed the game when he came on. He sort of just glides with the ball, doesn't he? He doesn't seem to like, you know, when you sort of sprint for the football, we all know it's quite, you know, it can be quite difficult to do, but he just glides with it like it's nothing. Um, and yeah, he's it's a really good addition, to be fair. And I'm more than happy to be proved wrong on a, uh, a signing. I think the other ones I called out were Shelby and Williams. So they've sadly been proved right. So it's quite nice to be wrong sometimes when it comes to incoming transfers. I mean, there will be a day where Matt Turner get, saves us, what, a point or three, and, and then I will get you on then because <laughs> you, you doubted him and he's been all right as well, to be honest. But we'll, we'll get to the other goalkeeper as well, who, who no one's going to be able to pronounce his last name. But, uh, Lee, I'm going to give you one of our own. It's Ryan Yates. I mean, there was a stat, obviously, it came yesterday. Him and Joe Worrell won the possession, won possession the most out of anyone on the pitch. And obviously, Ryan Yates has just seen we've signed a man from PSV for £30 million, along with Andre Santos from Chelsea on loan and Nicolas Dominguez from Bologna. But it obviously has not phased the young man. No, he was outstanding again. Um, again, there'll be all sorts of comments saying, oh, you, you've changed We're, We've not been negative about Ryan Yates for I, about I a no, season. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with the comments <laughs> are still there. Certain people, we don't name names on this podcast, but certain people, every time I mention Ryan Yates, he's a buzzword. Oh, you said he was rubbish 10 years ago. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was excellent again. I think exactly what you've just said, Adam, to be fair. I think he played like a player who had watched transfer deadline day unfold and thought bollocks. Um, you know, not to that degree, but that's not Ryan Yates's nature. Every time he pulls on our shirt, he always gives his all, and that's never been in question. Yesterday, he gave everything and then some. Um, he was just all over the pitch, a typical um, covering Yates every performance. Yeah, it was a typical <laughs> Yates performance, covered every blade of grass. It was a typical Yates performance because there was still a couple of moments when you think, just stay on your feet. He made a couple of little fouls near the box, which. I think there was one in the first half when, in fact, there was one in the first half when uh, Jackson asked for a booking and he got a booking and Yates didn't. It wasn't a booking, I don't think the foul, uh, but Jackson asked for one and he got a booking instead. And Effin Akoku and Gary Taphouse on commentary couldn't understand what had happened, but it was then they showed a re <laughs> they showed a replay and um, mm. it was because Jackson was asking for the card. Um, little moments like that, but that's Ryan Yates. I think we've got to kind of appreciate that's one not a weakness. That's the wrong word. He's just one of them players that he's got that much enthusiasm that sometimes he, he can't stop himself. And he does, I think players are kind of cute to know where to draw the fouls from him. Um, but yeah, in terms of his overall play, he was uh, outstanding yesterday. Yeah, Christian, um, I'm going to give you, obviously, the other one of our own. It's Joe Warrell. I mean, a tough week for him, obviously, losing his uncle. That must be devastating because I, I believe they're a very close family. 
uh, but he still opted to pull on the red shirt, put that captain's armband and head and kick absolutely every ball that came to him. And I mean, he's finally the Joe Worrell that plays in the NG postcode out of it in, the, in these first three away games, to be honest. I don't think he's really put a foot wrong. He's my man of the match by a mile. Yes, sir. by an absolute mile. I know as good as Langer was when he came on, as good as Bolly was, as good as Yates was. I mean, everyone put a good shift in. I mean, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a Forest player that got less than a seven, really. Because, again, when you go to these places, that's exactly what you need to win. You need everyone to turn up. You can't afford to carry a passenger when you go to the elite, even they are floundering at the Chelsea in a minute. But Warrell was head and shoulders above everyone else on the pitch. He was immense in every sense. I mean, that was a performance that you look at um, Chelsea's offenders and Thiago Silva. That's something I expect Thiago Silva to conjure up. He was that good. And yeah, after everything's had to deal with, which you know, can only be incredibly difficult. As I said earlier, like with our performance, it felt like the whole team had the mindset of playing for the front of the shirt. And as a result, fans remember the back of it. But what's on the back of it? And no one summed that up more than Joe Worrell yesterday. He was, he was everything. He wanted to last ditch tackles, his positioning, the way he was playing out from the back. Like, as you said, it looked like the Worrell from an NG postcode rather than one that had gone missing so often last season on the road it's just the thing, thing for him is just consistency because i mean if he plays like that even with the new signings they won't get a look in because that that performance was exceptional and you know I, I, he must have been looking over his shoulder as well after, like, I, I can't even imagine how he's felt this week because everything else going on um you know obviously football has come second to that a lot of the time all of the time really when it comes to family mm-hmm. but i mean like you know, obviously from a professional point of view, he says he's had two new defenders come into the club, Murillo and and the O from Norwich. I'll pronounce the name properly <laughs> later, I promise. And um, obviously Felipe's back from injury. Nia Carte's been back playing. He's on the bench. You know, and you, you're sort of thinking like, it'd be easy for him, McKenna and Bolly to think, well, shit. But all of them played as if it's their shirt to lose. And to be fair, it probably is their shirt to lose now. And yeah. Moral especially, it was just an absolute man-mountain, colossus, imperious, like every superlative, superlative. you find, you could, mm. yeah, you could apply to him, easy. I mean, it was, it was, it really said a lot when Cooper kind of pushed him towards the fans for a, for mm. a standing ovation and, and obviously uh, the chant of one of our own, it's been obviously documented on, on, on social media, there was a viral video that's gone around the, the fan base. So yeah, brilliant from, from all, all four players mentioned and, and the rest of the team. It was, it was fantastic. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're going to get into some news and some transfers, but before I, before I get into that, I was, uh, we was meant to have a fourth joiners in Nathan Joyce, our correspondent for, as our South American correspondent as I like to call him. He, he obviously runs the Copper Club, if you don't know. Uh, I spoke to him earlier about the four 
South Americans in. Gonzalo Montiel, Nicolas Dominguez, Murillo, who I, I'm sure he's got about seven names to go with that. And I'm forgetting one. Who is it? It's Andre Santos. I spoke to, to Nathan earlier. Here's that segment now. Nathan, delighted to welcome you back on the Red Side of the Trent. Obviously, you was meant to join us for the main show, but couldn't do due to uh, double bookings and all that sort of stuff. Uh, first of all, I did want to ask you if you obviously caught the game yesterday. A 1-0 win, obviously, over Chelsea. Our first win at the bridge since 1995, I believe it is. Uh, obviously, you said you watched that match of the day. What did you think of it overall? Yeah, well, first of all, A, wasn't probably expected from anybody, at least myself, who's always a bit of a pessimist when it comes to Forest, especially away from home. But great to get off the mark nice and early with three points. And it was a perfect defensive display. I think a lot of people are probably written this game off with the amount of new signings coming in to be like, well, look, let's just get this out of the way. We'll chuck out our B team, so to speak, or a defence we may not see ever again. And they all state their claim, didn't they? Each man to themselves was fantastic from what I saw, especially defensively, that three at the back. And obviously, special mention goes to Joe Wall without saying, I can't not. But yeah, really impressed. A clean sheet and to go to the bridge. Yes, I think Nicholas Jackson was the one who missed an absolute sitter. Um, but we'll take that each and every day of the week. So, yeah, fantastic three points. Get that away voodoo off the back, especially after the um, old traffic game. Dare I bring that up? But <laughs> nevertheless. Definitely. Uh, if people obviously don't know who you are, Nathan, you, you, you've you got a podcast and a magazine called The Copper Club and you extensively cover the South American football region. So that's one of the reasons we got you back on, obviously, to discuss the, the the influx that we're having from South America. Obviously, some of those players actually coming from Europe, such as uh, Nicolas Dominguez and, and Gonzalo Montiel. I did want to obviously talk to you about those players coming in and what they're going to offer. I'm going to start with Gonzalo Montiel. If anyone doesn't know, he's a World Cup and Europa League winner, took the winning penalties in both competitions. So he's got that pedigree, a right back, right wing back as well from Sevilla. What do you think he will offer to Forrest, first of all? Well, first of all, like it's great to see Forrest not only looking at South America, but obviously now being a little bit ahead of the curve compared to a lot of Premier League teams and looking at South Americans within Europe as well. They have that dedicated head of recruitment now, specifically looking at South Americans and the fact that they're obviously trying to climb the Premier League ladder, so to speak, a little bit quicker and going for South Americans who have already proven themselves in Europe is... Uh, another tick, really, and hopefully, look, it's only the likes of Brighton, obviously, Wolves a little bit who are starting to do that. So the fact that Forest are doing that already shows that they're ahead of the curve. But like you said, World Cup winner and Europa League winner, I can't really add too much more to that in terms of adding anything better. But he's very consistent. Um, what we saw more at River Plate than we have in the last couple of years at Seville is a more advanced thinking right back. He was very... Much he was happy to get into advanced positions and get to the byline a lot more. And he hasn't lost his pace, but we've seen him a little bit more restricted, especially with the way Argentina set up and Seville over in La, La Liga. But he's a professional. He has pace. He would definitely be that sort of right-back Forest fans will fall in love with just for his tenacity and his work rate. He had good competition to Serge Aurier, who was linked with Saudi Arabia, how true all that was, I don't know. I think every man and his dog was linked to Saudi Arabia at one point in this window. But it's good to have options on the left and the right-hand side now and good two options. I think Nico Williams' game time is going to be rather limited this season. He was probably 
the weak link out of all the fullbacks. So it's been great to address both situations or both sides rather. But yeah, Montiel, like I said, he's professional. He's still got bags of pace. He, he's been there and done it in the biggest competition. So look, games like Stamford Bridge yesterday, he can come into the frame with 20 minutes to go and it doesn't change anything too much. He's going to be composed. So yeah, I think Forest fans on the pitch will like what he has to offer. Hopefully he, we can see a little bit more of an attacking style of play if Forest do so, still continue to set up with three at the back and allow their wing backs or full backs to fly up the pitch a little bit more, which we saw time and time again at River Plate, but less so at Seville and Argentina. So I don't want to get anyone's hopes up too much that he's going to be the next sort of uh, South American Jed Spench, so we say. Um, but yeah, he's going to be very reliable and another good addition uh, to the squad. What do you think the difference will be between him and Sergio Rio predominantly? I'm going to rule kind of Nico Williams out because, like sure. you say, I think it's going to be limited minutes for him unless Sergio Rio does end up going to Saudi because their window is still open, if anyone doesn't know about that. But what what are his strengths, really? I know you mentioned he's quite pacey and attacking there. It's just his defensive duties as a whole. He wears his heart on his sleeve and it's good to have options now within Forest team. Last season, it didn't really go beyond the 11, really, if we look at it from a wider picture. Once we made changes, it completely fell out of shape a little bit. So I say, look, Serge Aurier has already proven this season with his assists against Sheffield United. He's probably better in that more advanced role. And defensively, he's been sound as well. I don't think many expected him when we first brought him in. I think it was just another addition and to get bodies in. But Montiel is a more defensive right back. So what I like about these multiple additions across from defence all the way up to the forward line is Forrest can now have that freedom to change formations if things aren't working or look to um, hold on to leads, as we saw yesterday, the Stamford Bridge, that Montiel can come on. And obviously, if Aurier goes to the African Cup of Nations, you've got a perfect cover in there rather than weakening your right back with Nico Williams. I didn't plan on coming to this podcast and attacking Nico, but having a World Cup winner, as you've said, um, and someone more experienced than Nico himself as cover means it just doesn't impact the team quite as much during that January period where I think there's two or three really, really difficult games on paper from what I can recall. So yeah, the, the stronger that back line is during that period, the better. So would you say he, he will be adaptable to the four at the back or the five at the back quite comfortably then if he can play if he's quite balanced in that sense is that's how he comes across really yeah he's, he's played in both he's played in both sort of formations like I said during that when he first burst onto the scene at River Plate he was playing as a little bit more of an advanced fullback it's more their style of play and obviously being one of the better teams in the Argentina Primera they're going to get on the attack a lot more than probably Forrest will be but if Steve Cooper is looking to move away from that counter-attacking style of play a little bit more, look, he has options now. So he can be reserved. And that's, we've seen that in Europe. We've definitely seen that with Argentina. So I think he offers both both ends of the spectrum, really. We haven't really seen it for a while. It'll be interesting to see if Cooper wants him to match Aurier with that attacking style of play and try and unlock that again. But if not, you've got a very, very sensible professional fullback. 
Yeah, and I've mentioned obviously you can take a penalty, so hopefully that will come into some sort of fruition down the line because <laughs> last season we weren't, I, I wouldn't say we were the most confident in, the, in that department. So that's that's also another great thing to add to the Arsenal. I'm going to move on to Andre Santos on loan from Chelsea for the season. Hasn't kicked a ball actually in the Premier League for Chelsea, if anyone's asking, 19 years old. I know you really bigged him up when Chelsea made this signing on, on your Twitter and, and within the Copper Club. Scored six goals in the under twenty World Cup. Am I right in saying that? It was six goals in the under twenty South American Championships. That was um, sorry, yeah. And then he scored two at the World Cup. So, wow. but he's he's predominantly a defensive midfielder. Am I right saying, or is he someone that is a bit like Danilo and can kind of adapt to several different roles in that sense? He can definitely adapt to certain roles. I bigged up Danilo massively when he came over, but. Danilo was a defensive midfielder purely at Palmeiras. We never really saw him score. I think he scored one and it was a header in the Libertadores that season before we signed him. But Andre Santos is completely different, as you touched on there. He scored six goals in the South American under 20 championship and back in his own category. This was in February. This was, um, yeah, six goals back in his own age character uh, category. He was an absolute monster. Like he played, yes, he played in a defensive midfield role there, but as a leader, as a captain, he, he's got an engine with him and he likes to bomb forward. And like he was a joint top goal scorer that tournament. Yes, it was probably weaker, obviously weaker than the World Cup and obviously weaker than the Premier League. But two players stood out in that tournament. Andre Santos with six goals and Vitor Oque, who's off to Barcelona, who scored six goals. And he's going to be the next best thing. And he was playing up front in that competition. And Andre Santos has matched his goal record. And then he went to the World Cup and scored two and an assist in five appearances before Brazil somehow got knocked out against Israel in the knockouts. But Andre Santos, I think I was really surprised when Chelsea didn't want to include him within the squad. Like, yes, they've made so many additions and like it's a completely new look team, which is rebuilding there. And he was playing as like a number six in pre-season for Chelsea. However, I feel like that really restricted them. And I think the fact that they've decided to loan him out, especially to a Premier League side, and obviously this was before the influx of players who Forrest have brought in, but he's more, for me, better in an advanced role, in like a number eight position, moving further up the pitch. Yes, he's really composed on the ball and offers a lot of defensive qualities, a real leader, hence why he's captain of the Brazilian under 20 side. He's He's got goals in him. He scored, I think it was eight in 32 appearances for Vasco. Yes, in Serie B, but this when he was 17, 18, when Chelsea went, right, we need to bring him in. And then he, he got offered a chance in pre-season for Chelsea, like I said, but I don't think they could squeeze him into an attacking play. And I think they wanted him to get more minutes on the pitch. So I think a lot of Forest fans are worried. And also there's been a lot of players coming since I made a lot of noise about him. Don't get me wrong, I think Andre Santos can go and be a Premier League great in the next three, four, five years for Chelsea. I really think he's got a high ceiling. But Chelsea couldn't work him into that attacking frame. So I think you'll see him playing in a more advanced role for Forrest, centre midfield with a little bit more of a licence, which is why I made quite a lot of noise around him and Danilo working together. They can sort of interchange those roles, like he has that within his locker. But carrying the ball forward, shooting, scoring goals, he has all those qualities. So... Yes, Forrest have lost Johnson and hopefully Alanga can step up to the plate. But goals need to come from elsewhere and Gibbs White needs to work on that massively. So where else are the goals going to come from? Like bringing in an influx of defence midfielders may be a little bit concerning. But when Andre Santos is going to be on the pitch, like he can play in that advanced role and isn't afraid to, to shoot and have a go from goal. So I wouldn't be concerned about 
where they all fit in. I think there's been a lot of noise from Chelsea fans as to, oh, now Forrest have signed all these players. Where does he fit into the team? But as we all know, like last season, bar the 11, we really struggled when it came to subs. And yes, now out of the Carabao Cup, but with the FA Cup and like it's a still a long still a long campaign. Um, so I think Andre Santos will show glimpses. Obviously, he's not our player long term. And I understand the slight concern there, but... The fact that Forrest are even entertaining and, and probably fighting off a lot of competition to bring in such quality players like Santos is it's still a little bit mind boggling to me as a fan. <laughs> I suppose it's good because we often play with a three in midfield and then with the signing of Ibrahim Sangare, he can obviously then push up that further and, and offer the support to Gibbs White and a one and a langer in attack and, and maybe Callum Hudson Odoi might play left winger if we kind of change uh, shape a little bit, whoever's playing in the personnel. So I guess he can offer a backup role to Gibbs White as well, I, I would maybe say from, from going on what you say. But do you think he will suit a two or a three man midfield better? Probably a three, to be honest, because the, the amount of names have come in, we'll touch on a couple more. But it probably is going to be in a three because the fact that he can move forward and look the scenario with Danilo being out injured now for probably quite a period of time because it was his hamstring, I believe. Yeah, it's like a normally at least in it. If that happened last season, like you're up in arms, aren't you? The, the panic yeah. button's already being pressed. But at the moment, with Danilo being out, yeah, it's upsetting that he can't continue to um, perform as he did last season, kickstart again. But the fact that he's dropped out and we have options like Dominguez. Uh, who will probably get on to and, and Santos to come in and take your kid's position. It doesn't really weaken the side too much, which is a really privileged and good position for Forrest to be in. So, look, probably a three-man midfield. Again, I think it all depends on who the opposition is and how Steve Cooper wants to line up. But his options, and that's a massive positive. I don't think we should be looking at it as a negative in terms of overall arching defensive midfielders. Just because they have those qualities, we shouldn't be restricting them there. And Looking at his goal tally for Brazil, Vasco, um, just those two because he hasn't called for Chelsea yet. But with those two, like he's shown time and time again how capable he is in front of goal. So, yeah, let's not restrict him. And I probably think that's a huge reason as to why he's come over to Forest because he wasn't going to get that opportunity at Chelsea. Has this got the potential of never fall in love with a loan signing saga? It's it's every year, isn't it? It's every year. And as Forrest start to establish himself more, you probably think there's going to be less and less loans. And this was obviously bearing in mind before, obviously, deadline day and the amount of new signings which came in. We always knew there was going to be extra additions, but I didn't realise quite how many midfielders were going to come in. But I, I think so. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling, even if it's just about adapting to the Premier League from a personal point of view for Santos. I think he's a little bit more than that. Like I said, he's wearing the captain's armband for the under 20s. He's a real leader and he's really composed on the ball. So I think Premier League football will be suited to him massively. It's going to be a huge learning curve for him at first. Um, but I think he's in the right environment. You look, young, young lad under Steve Cooper, need I say more? So we're probably are doing Chelsea a favour, but he's also cementing Forrest's position in the Premier League for yet another season and hopefully kickstarting, which is invaluable. So let's try and look at it from a positive point of view rather than just we're building up another player because, like I said, he's probably going to kick, start, uh, kick on and be one of the best in, in the Premier League, I think, in the next four or five years. Well, let's hope that if one that he's obviously good for us and, and he enjoys himself, but let's hope that Chelsea maybe forget and spend too much more money on other... What, it could up, happen. ...up-and-coming up wonder kids and forget about him and go, yeah, yeah, we'll sell him. <laughs> we'll him. But um, next Brazilian... 
it's on my way to Amarillo. It's Murillo. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. 21-year-old centre-back <laughs> from Corinthians. I think it was like 15 million euros in total, if you include the add-ons and, and that. Um, what I saw of him from your the, the video you posted of him, I, he looks like a serious, serious uh, ball-playing centre-half and, and a bit of a brute for a, a guy who, I mean, you say six foot, like it's not big. It, it is because he's, he's a stocky lad. What what what's he gonna bring to Forest and and, and a, 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 probably a hard question to answer, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Does he does he challenge immediately for a for a starting lineup spot, or is it gonna be a bedding in process before he maybe get that opportunity and maybe have to be a bit patient? Well, that is a difficult question. It's a really difficult question, and I think look if. If Forrest had gone and lost 4-5-0 and Scott McKenna and Moore had their off days yesterday, I think this would be a bit easier to answer. I think long-term, look, uh, Munio is coming into place, McKenna. Obviously, it's a huge upgrade. If I'm going to just talk about him as a player first, because, look, it's the same with all these Brazilian uh, or Argentinian or young lads coming into a, a new frame, even Andres Santos, who's been with Chelsea, he's still learning a completely new league but it's away from that 90 minutes it's like he's got to learn a new language he's got to fit into a new environment everything all, all away from that it will take a huge period for him and he's already played 27 games sort of this season whereas everyone else is at three or four so look i think that will have to be managed because the brazilian season pretty much we can say runs from like february to the end of the year where obviously we're just at the very beginning of the premier league but as a player putting out bold statements on this podcast I think I seem to do it was, well I did it last time when I came on I'm going to do it again I said it about Scarper and he left didn't he so, yeah <laughs> but I, I genuinely think he's he's the he's the best young uh, left-sided centre-back to come out of Brazil at the moment there's there's been another lad Lucas Baraldo who plays for Sao Paulo who was linked with Brighton and with the fact that he was linked to England I sort of was teeing him up as an option to come to Forest ball playing left back uh, left centre-half sorry uh, even Liverpool apparently were, were sniffing around. So I thought he was more likely to move to the UK. And then the Mario deal just sort of came out of nowhere. But again, showing Forrest really making statements in Brazil, because yes, he's only played 27 senior appearances for Corinthians. Um, but I think if it got to January, he'd be looked at by four or five of the big clubs in the Premier League, to be honest. So the fact that Forrest have moved so quickly for this deal uh, is huge. Uh, I, I really, really like him. He's, he's only had 27 games this season, but Corinthians have had three different managers and they've been an absolute shambles. But he's been like <laughs> one of the consistencies throughout that, uh, throughout this period. And he's been one of the reasons as to why they've advanced to now the semi-finals of the Sudamericana, a really tough competition um, away from domestic action. And like I said, he's, he's six foot, but stocky. He's got a frame to match. I think that's the only way to describe it. We've seen two different sides to him. He, he burst through the youth, uh, the under-20s team with Corinthians, with a few of the youngsters who are now sort of been drip-fed into the team. But Mario came in, start the season and started playing from the off. But under twenties, he stood out massively. Like the confidence he had in terms of when he, his positioning and reading of the game are probably his best assets. Away from like the, his physical ability, let's talk about him away from that because he is much more than that. I think people are just going to get a bit hung up on his visuals at first and his presence, which is obvious enough. But his reading of the game and his positional sense, you rarely see him go to ground unless like he's forced into a tackle out wide, which is an, again a huge tick for a centre back. But when he wins the ball, we saw this for the under-20s time and time again, he'd play like one-twos with the, uh, with the midfielders and advance up and sort of be acting as a striker. 
<laughs> it was almost Sergio Ramos style. It's the only way I can describe it in terms of like having the confidence to bomb forward. That has been reined in massively since progressing to senior football. He still likes to get on the front foot and play the ball, but he's a lot more reserved with that. But it shows that he can get the ball forward and pass it and looks to always advance. He's not there happy just to sit him side to side. He wants to look for attacking options. And keep an eye on his passing range as well. He really can switch the play, but fast as well. None of these lofty floaty balls. He's looking at crossfield passes um, with a bit of venom as well and often really accurate. So as a left-footed centre-back, I think they're worth the weight in gold across Europe, South America, everywhere in football at the moment. So the fact that Forrest have been able to bring in arguably the best youngster in Brazil at the moment has really caught me off guard and, again, really impressive business. And I think a lot of people will say, oh, he's only had 27 appearances. But I don't think many Corinthians fans at first would have been like, oh, he's coming from the youth team, let's see how he works. But if you look closely at those under-20 ga uh, under games, it's pretty obvious as to why he's made that transition in such a short period of time. So, like I said, Corinthians have been a mess all season, but their academy is uh, is one of the best at the moment. Gabriel Mascardo, 17 years old, has been linked heavily with Chelsea, for example. Uh, so the fact that Forrest have been able to get Mario for 13, 15 million, including add-ons, as you say, is uh, I actually think it's the best deal Forrest have brought in this market. I know everyone else has got excited about the 35 million pound man from PSV, but <laughs> as a obviously a little bit more biased South American fan, uh, I think he's going to be um, huge for Forrest. And maybe in two or three years' time, two or three years' time, if Forrest fans don't want to hear this, um, progressing to a potentially bigger club, I think his ceiling is that high. I think, I think that's kind of the way we're going to have to accept for the time being until we kind of build ourselves back into an established Premier League side and kind of push on. We're going to have to accept that we're going to bring players in and, and look to build them, develop them and, and probably move them on for, for mass profit, which we'd like to do like, like Brighton are doing. But I think what I like about Murillo from what I've seen is his, his pace as well, because... I mean, you look at the back three that played against Chelsea yesterday. It's it's got the, it's the, the, the I think the combined pace of of I, I don't I, I don't even know what to name maybe maybe a tractor going down the A1 or something. You know what I mean? It's not it's not the quickest um, of of back lines. So I think that adds to it. And and I and I was going to actually point out about his crossfield passing. I mean that that's something of a weapon where you can switch play very quickly. But how are you saying his ceiling is like? really high then if you're saying he'll go to a big club are you saying he could go to someone like I don't want to say the obvious but like a Real Madrid kind of team if you know what I mean is is it kind of that ceiling or is it more of a mid to high sort of team it's like really it's really early days <laughs> it's really early days and it's hard it's hard to say but easily a top six side in a Premier League if if he comes over and adapts right it's all about because we've seen it time and time again in South America where players have all the ability in the world and come over to Europe and it doesn't quite kick on but it just seems to have a completely different mindset and the way he's advanced in such a short period of time Premier League football like because of his his size he has pace as well and his ability with the ball at his feet. But for me, taking away all those qualities as well, it's just the fact that he can read a game so well in his positional sense, which is massively important. Like people like Joe Wall and McKenna, they all depend on their ability to read a game because like you just said, they don't have the pace to match. But Mario has that as well. So he can even cover himself on occasions where he is going to get things wrong. But if he adapts to Premier League football, where he ticks all the boxes as if he will, there's no reason why in two or three years' time, 
Well, look the way football moves, it could be two years, right? In football moves <laughs> so quickly these days. Hence why, look, Forest have been quick to snap him up for a short, uh, small fee. And we watch how Brighton operate now. And I think Forest sort of need to follow that model and seem to be doing in that case. Because if you're able to sell him for 50, 60 million in two or three years' time and then reinvest that money because you've already got your scouts there and you've been there for two or three years understanding how the football works out there, the youth team, stuff like that, you're going to be ahead of the curve. So until Forest can sustain that ability to become Brighton's and your Aston Villas and sort of heading into Europe, unfortunately, that's what's going to be happening. But these are the right steps to put in place now. And uh, I think he's a, he's a fantastic addition. And I really hope the lad settles and can show what he's been doing uh, all season long, to be honest with you. Yeah, let's hope he becomes like our Virgil van Dijk, maybe almost, if that's what's going off. It kind of sounds similar to him. But we're going to talk about the last uh, South American Argentinian, Nicolas Dominguez, 25-year-old from Bologna, who was, I believe he was the skipper there, the swap deal for Remo Freuler, which seems an absolute, I mean, what a deal that is, yeah. if that's if there was no money involved. What, what can you tell me about his role and strengths? Because as far as I'm understanding, he's more of a another central defensive midfielder, but can actually operate probably in a bit more of a box-to-box role as well, because I know he, he added a few goals from, from midfield last season, but obviously nothing to like be like Wolves kind of um, jump out at you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think, look, he went over four years ago to Bologna from uh, Valise, who also have a, an incredible academy. And that season, when he went, he scored five goals in 18 games. So when he's left, uh, let off his leash, rather... He is capable and he's got a fantastic technique when it comes to his shooting. And he's obviously gone to Italy, spent a couple of seasons adjusting, and then he's sort of been dropped into this defensive midfield role. They've been playing 4-2-3-1 formation and he's slotted into that too, protecting the defence. But he can play in a 4-3-3-4-3-4-3. 4-3-3 formation, sorry. Got really (laughs) complex. He's trying to fit all these players in. I'm struggling with it. But he can play in that central midfield role as well. And the way to describe him is he's so smooth in possession, but then he's like a terrier-like out of it. Lots of people nowadays in football love stats, don't they? And all the data around it. And he's one of the best ball retrievers in Europe. So hopefully that should tick off people who like to get into their stats and figures around him. But he's really intelligent in the way he likes to win the ball back. Again, he's a not, he has picked up a few yellow cards and people might just look at the stats and go, oh, well, that that's something he needs to work on. But playing in that defensive midfield role when, um, looking to retrieve the ball back like you're always going to be the more likely candidate to get booked so I wouldn't necessarily be worried about that the fact that he's adapted to a certain level of European football yes Serie A is slower than the Premier League but the way in which he wins the ball back is really clever likes to stand upon his feet and position himself to not only win the ball back but then look at um, feeding his wingers or his other attacking players and again at the moment until Steve Cooper changes that sort of a counter-attacking football Dominguez suits that role perfectly to kick-starting attacks and he's really good at um, protecting his defence in terms of winning clever little free kicks back as well if he is to win the ball back in tight areas he knows when to sort of go down uh, relieve the pressure which is massively important to protecting Forrest's record at the city ground as Last season, yes, we were good there, but it was a, a tough watch at times in the last 20 minutes trying to hold on. And so if he can help relieve that pressure, but like I said, a bit of a terrier out of possession, but really classy, smooth operator in it. Yes, he's probably not going to get you the 10 goals a season. Like He's not that sort of player. But if he is the, if he is the one interchanged uh, and with Santos, for example, and allowed to move up into a more attacking position, he has good technique in and around the box. His perfectly weighted passes uh, were evident to see over the last couple of seasons with Bologna. 
he can see passes which other players can't really so around crowded areas and stuff like that is where he comes into his own so his assists may be a higher statistic or stats than his goals will be over the next season which again is, is perfect right for us to sort of look in now Johnson's gone we need to replace goals and assists and I feel like he can do that so yes defense midfielder first and foremost but able to advance into attacking positions and support in the final third which is is great to hear because although players like Mangala have come in and has become quite a fan's favorite doesn't really offer much going forward. Yeah, he scored against Leeds away last season, but that's probably going to be it. He's probably going to be like your one goal a season sort of sort of player. So you, if you can have defence midfielders who can come in and offer a little bit more. So in those home games, you are supporting a one knee and, and Gibbs White further up the pitch. You can suit. So I think all these players we've mentioned will suit a three-man midfield perfectly. Knowing if one or two can drop, um, it's not going to sort of like stop the fluid formation going if people want to join uh, join attacks and others who have been doing the defensive work can hold back and hopefully if they can all build relationships with one another and it's great that there's now like this huge south american community on and off the pitch for Forest. hopefully that can translate onto the pitch so um yeah look massive ticks for me and the fact that i think there was cash involved i'm not sure how much i don't want to like guess as to what the figure was but the fact with Freuer going out the, the simple answer is four years left who didn't see didn't seem to fit in with forest style of play and dominguez has come in six years younger and he's probably seen it as an opportunity to get back into the argentine uh, national team he's been out of it for a while moving to the premier league to a side who's looking to climb up the table uh, argentina may turn around to him and he might get that place back we'll look copper america next season so it's going to be really important to him uh, so this is an opportunity for him to to get back into the national side from a personal point of view as well. So he's got a huge point to prove and and hopefully uh, he, he delivers that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, two out of the four players we've talked about will enjoy the away kit at least. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've, we've brought in a good mix there of young and up and coming and also winning mentalities really I mean I, I forgot to actually mention to you I don't know if you've seen Murillo's interview for Forrest and they're asked, and he's asked about what his ambitions are with the club and he's on about like qualifying for Champions League and winning it and I'm like I like this last don't, don't, don't forget that because Felipe said that as well didn't he when Felipe came in he in January he said we should be starting to look at the Champions League I mean, and <laughs> so you can take it with a pinch of salt but I understand hey. where you're coming from yeah, no, but I just think like it's such a good change of mentality of having these players who have been there and done it and, and won things. I think that's it's important to get those people through the door and, and kind of change that mi mindset because obviously fans like you and I will, will laugh and kind of like brush that off. But it goes for everyone, doesn't it? From from the cleaning lady or cleaning person or whatever to, to, the, to your everyday going fan isn't it really if you change that mindset throughout everyone then hopefully that kind of breeds that mentality so that's really good who who out of these four really like jumps off the page for you like when, when we talk about them who, who's your who do you think will do the best out of these four I think it's obvious that I'm a huge fan of Mario I think like he's 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 the one for me was when that link happened it was him and then Santos within about 10 minutes of each other about half 11 at night and I was there like oh here we go I'm, I'm up for a bit of a late one again I like I've had a quiet day for us we could have dropped these rumors a little bit earlier but <laughs> for me I was the one which sort of made me sit up in bed and be like right okay this is this is a huge deal for Forest, and the fact that they are able to sort of lure 
these young players with winning mentalities over. I think he's the standout for me. Santos at first, I was just surprised that Chelsea let him go. And this was before, obviously, uh, a few others joined later in the window. But again, to even attract his sort of calibre over, hopefully he can just, um, I feel like he's another player like who can really flourish this season. And he's probably looking at it as a, as a stepping stone. So look, he is one to watch going forward. But as he is the lone player, um, I'm going to just rule him out. And I will say Mario, but I think Dominguez, I think he'll win some people over. Montiel is he's going to be a steady right back. So... Uh, I don't think there's going to be too many rushing to the club shop to get his name on because there's there's probably a few better options now. But Mario uh, and Dominguez, um, hopefully they can really come over and, and kickstart life in the Premier League. Obviously, Dominguez 25's had that European experience, so we should expect a little bit more from him. I just really hope Mario settles into the side, to be honest. I think he'll probably be eased in. We saw it quite a lot with... Danilo until obviously the sirens were going and we had to pull him in towards the back end of last season. I don't think it's going to be that sort of situation this time round. And as I've said, he's already played 27 games this season. So that will need to be managed. Give him time. Uh, let's see how he finds his feet. But I do think he is tailor-made to Premier League football. Brilliant, Nathan. I really appreciate you coming on again and, and giving us this insight. I'm sure there'll be more insight as the season goes on and the January window coming and you mentioning other wonder kids that we need to bloody go after. I mean, that will be a good time. If anyone obviously wants to check your uh, your podcast out, your magazine, it's the Copper Club. Is it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that good stuff? Yeah, I've just finished series one, so a little bit of a break now. I've timed that to perfection with the end of the transfer window. So give myself press that reset button. But yeah, ten episodes to catch up on the Copper Club podcast. Series two is starting in a couple of weeks. Um, few surprises around that i've got a new co-host joining me uh, live from brazil so that's quite exciting and uh yeah the website has got some new guest writers so it's not just me now so i've got a few people on the ground sort of getting these player profiles ready for as you said the january transfer window and yeah issue three of the magazine is out um late november so the first two have been all around the libertadores and, and player profiles this time around uh, completely different exclusive interviews with well there's a huge name um, which forest fans will i'm sure be uh definitely keen to see but i'm keeping it close to my chest for now is it um, gino cadula it's <laughs> <laughs> um no not quite but there's a huge name uh, and a huge forest spread coming all about south americans and their recruitment within the magazine uh the likes of kevin hatchard's going to be included uh, and there's an exclusives uh, with other football clubs as well so look keep an eye out for that that's dropping november and the work's already started so yeah plenty plenty going on behind the scenes real nathan uh we'll probably get you on again for an actual match review when when we not double booked yeah uh and, and we'll see you next time cheers cool sounds good cheers mate thank you welcome back i hope you enjoyed that segment and got some information on our four south americans from nathan go check out his podcast it's the copper club it's available everywhere i believe so yeah the first bit of news, guys, I'm going to get both your opinions on this, is actually something that's probably forgotten after the craziness of deadline day, and it's the change in chairmanship. We've uh, gone for Tom Cartledge uh, after Nick Randall has stepped down after six years. Tom Cartledge is actually someone who was the head designer or developer for the new stand, weirdly enough, a Forest fan, a local person, Lee... Do you think this is a good thing? It's kind of come out of the blue as well, I, I think, as well. Yeah, it has a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Tom Cartledge seems like the sort of bloke that is one of us, essentially. So I, I don't ever think that can be a bad thing. Um, what I would say is, I mean, without understanding, I'm not going to see it. I think there's, there's far too many people who claim to know everything that goes on at boardroom level at, at a football club in general, not just ours. Um, so I, I'm not one of those. But what I would say is I think uh, Marinakis is shrewd. I think he wouldn't be placing someone in that sort of role if he didn't think he was up to the job. And I, I just can't see any negative with a, a person that essentially bleeds forest like us uh, being in the, in the top job, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, Christian, this is a man who got snuck under his dad's coat when he was a little boy into forest. So he's he's you can't say he's he's an armchair fan as such. So any thoughts to add on to Lee's? It makes a difference in having a random film director as part of the board, so I suppose that's going to be a positive. But um, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, it's str- I found it a bit strange. I mean, I don't know if you could pick up on the timing of Randall going and then Hartley's coming in, and then suddenly this gambling sponsor has been announced to find a shirt sponsor, and like oh, yes, I, I know there's a few sort of the the uh, the conspiracy theorists all out and force for that one. But um, on the face of it, no, I mean I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, whether it, uh, hopefully the, the plan for us will be to accelerate the mainstand development and we can get that sorted. But um, yeah, I mean, like to echo what Lee said, I don't think it's a bad thing to have uh, fans of the club and people uh, with forest ingrained into their blood and system. That's part of the fabric of the football club. Um, I think that so long as they're not the ones pulling the trigger on decisions and stuff like that, because obviously you can get swayed. I think we've seen that before where. You know, and you know, you have to be incredibly objective. I mean, there are only very few people, I think maybe Steve Parrish is maybe the best example at Paris Palace, where if you support the club and own them, like it can be quite difficult because obviously, you know, you can't necessarily take a step back and be objective. So therefore it's not necessarily the worst thing to have someone at the helm like Marinakis who has no real tie to Forest like we do, for example. So um yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure he'll represent the club well within the face of it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. Obviously, if it does help kick the can of the main stand down the, um, further down the road, and that can only be a good thing for us as well, because it's very evident we need more seats in that stadium because the demand is um, very, very high. Yeah, it'll only get higher if we, if all these signings, obviously, can help us push, push up this, push up this table. So, lots of activity on deadline day. It kind of looks a bit more messy than it actually is because I do believe that majority of these players were linked throughout the summer and, and I'm sure we're going to butcher some of these names. I mean, Odysseus, Vlad, Vlad... I mean, you said it before the podcast to me off-air, Christian. I'm going to Odysseus Vatolimos. I've got I that mean, one down. Odysseus Vatolimos. He's got yeah. the coolest name in history already. Um, going to push for the number one spot with Matt Turner, Lee, but... It's Matt Turner's to lose at the moment, I would say, but good, healthy competition. He's played Champions League football a long time for Benfica, obviously a Greek international as well, although born in Germany, which is madness as well. But yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because I, I can't imagine a player with his, um, don't know, with his with his pedigree, shall we say, that coming to sit on the bench. Um, but at the minute, I think he's going to have to because... I just don't think Turner's done anything of note to warrant saying to him, you're not playing today. I just think I'm never a big fan of, I don't know, this perception that if a keeper makes one mistake, he's going to be replaced. But 
with a player like him in waiting in the wings, will that be the case? I, it's going to be. It, I think a lot of these signings is going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds because you just never know. I mean, like after a performance like that yesterday, I think Steve Cooper, in hindsight, would have probably been thinking, "Oh, if we go and lose two or three nil today, it makes my decision for the Burnley game nice and easy. I'll just make six changes." Um, I know that Steve Cooper would never think like that before anyone starts saying, but. That would be the the almost an ideal situation for him. But after yesterday, there's an argument to say that that team should play again. So, um, I think Turner will play in the short term after the international break. Um, it could even be on like a month by month basis, um, where he kind of assesses the the performance of the keeper and and plays it from there. But I just can't see us. I know we wanted two goalkeepers, but I just can't see us signing him and not playing him. Um, which probably sounds strange because at the moment I probably wouldn't play him. In an ideal world, I think we'd have gone through in the cup and then drawn. We would have drawn Salford, wouldn't we? So that'd have been a great game to stick him in, see what he's got, give him some game time. Um, but we haven't got that, you know, situation. So I think Turner will be the keeper in the short term. I mean, we've been blessed with five brilliant keepers. If you look at the last five, what Brief Samba. Jordan Dean Henderson, and then he said Jordan Henderson, Dean Henderson, Kaylor Navas, Matt Turner's been all right, and now and now Odysseus Vlad Vladimir. I'm not going to say his name, Christian. It's bloody crap, Odysseus, right? So, uh, and it kind of depends on. I'm not. I can't say I've, I've ever watched Portuguese football. Blachodemos, right. I can't say I've watched Benfica a hell of a lot, so I don't really know how he plays. I only know him through Football Manager, FIFA, that kind of thing. So, I kind of, I guess that will the. The, the the truth will be out there eventually of how he plays and we'll see what what we go with. But just the from next... the just from if I can jump in there, just from the highlight reels, I know you can never judge a player solely on those, but it does seem that he's a little bit like Samba in the sense that he seems quite quick across his line, kind of gets to things that are quite high that a lot of keepers don't. Um, so yeah, I don't know what he, whether he's a sweeper keeper or a conventional keeper. I'm not sure, but in terms of his actual shot stopping, it does seem that he's one of those that's quick across his line, and because of his uncompromising figure, um, he gets to quite a lot that other keepers won't. I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good signing anyway, just because of the experience as well. But Christian, we'll talk about the other man that everyone's going to struggle with in the fan base. It's Andy O. I'm a I'm a delay. Is that all right? Is that, I didn't push that one. I, I think, uh, uh, to be honest, like, mm. it, well, it's sort of like me and you've traded. I've got the boss down, you've got that one fairly down. And I'm sort of like <laughs> a bit like Paul Merson with this guy. So I'm really sorry, Andy, if you're listening. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he was like, what? He was like the, the very, very last minute. I mean, luckily Norwich were playing Rotherham. So we kind of went, you can come down the M1 and join us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, uh, um, obviously, it seems if like basically Mufi Shalaba sort of fell through, and then Omo Bamidelli was on hand to sort of like come in at the end. But it, from all accounts, I mean, like again, you can never really tell with certain people. It does seem as if most of these targets have been long-term targets anyway. I'm sure he's no different. I mean, I don't, I can't say I've watched him play. As most of you, like probably listeners, know, and as you definitely know, I borderline refused to watch EFL football last season for fear of going back to it again this season. So I, I didn't watch Norwich once. I can't tell you what he's like as a player. But by all by all means, I mean, it does seem as if we've got a good one there. He looks very good with his feet. He looks so big, strong, pacey, all the sort of things we've been looking for in a, someone to buy. So, yeah, it's it's certainly... Only 21 as well, so I have to register him. So it's all looking good. I mean, it's interesting, though, because I know, just go back to your headline point about how Obviously, we signed seven players on deadline day, but 
you know, obviously, I said most of these are longer term targets. I mean, realistically, I'm sure, so Turner, if you look at it this way, Turner replaced Navas, if you like. Machado Moss yep. replaced Henderson. Tavares has replaced Lolly. Hudson Adoy has replaced Johnson. Dominguez has replaced Freuler. So realistically, we've only added, I say only, uh, uh, Murillo, uh, Origi, uh, Sangare, Sangare, Santos, Alanga, Montiel, and Omabaridelli. But out of those, it's only Montiel and Sangare and Origi that have to be added onto the lists. So it's quite cool in that sense that really we've, we've added, what's it, seven players. But realistically, we all said we needed at least five anyway to sort of build on last season. So it's quite surprising. I, I know, um, obviously, before this, I was sort of speaking to those Spurs fans about Johnson. And they were saying that you can't get it all done in one window. I actually think we kind of have. Because I was thinking <laughs> once it all came through that, you know, we got these players, you know, it's like, okay, is it too much to ask for a backup striker? Is it too much to ask for another centre-back on the right-hand side? And then we got them in. So realistically, now the depth is definitely there. I think we're at a point where there maybe is two players for every position, which is just unbelievable effort from everyone involved, really. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about too much about the South Americans because obviously went with that with Nathan earlier in the show, Lee. But Nuno Tavares has joined on an initial loan with a, I think it's an option or if not an obligation, if if certain criteria is met for Nuno Tavares. I know lots of Forest fans were quick to jump on the performance where he got dragged off against us in the FA Cup. Obviously, one performance makes a player these days, but I think a, a another shrewd signing really because I think he had a terrific season at Marseille. If you if you're into your stats, yeah, I mean, I think if, if Forest fans had never seen him in that game where we beat them in the FA Cup and he was hooked after 20 minutes, and they were judging it on we're signing a Marseille player with six goals from left wing back, he'd already be the best left wing back in the world in the eyes of some supporters. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, let, let's not judge him on 20 minutes. It was a bad 20 minutes and Ars- Arsenal were shocking that day. So let's let's not kind of um, judge him on that. Um, yeah, again, good piece of business. I don't think it's... Uh, I mean, it just goes to show, doesn't it, in the transfer window, you, you, there's so many people who believe every single snippet that they read. Oh, he's not coming to us because he's going to cost 30 million. I'm glad we're not paying 30 million for him. All of a sudden, we're signing him and if we meet certain criteria, we're going to sign him on a permanent for 12 million. So... You, you just have to kind of take everything with a pinch of salt in the transfer window. But in terms of the signing, I think it's a decent signing. Uh, it picked up a caution on his brief cameo appearance yesterday, didn't he? So um, I'm sure he'll take some... I think it's a, a position because wing-back's kind of a specialist role these days. He'll probably take some time to settle. But yeah, certainly going forward, I think he gives us something that Cooper desperately craves if he's going to play the style of football that he wants to bring uh, to the team. I think he'll be able to play in that left wing position as well. I think a lot of these players can kind of be multifunctional, as I like to call it. But yeah. we're going to get on to another one, Christian. It's Callum Hudson Adoy. I mean, if he's coming in for three million up front with a rising up to five, obviously, I, I believe Chelsea have got a big sell on their saying uh, for Callum Hudson Adoy. It is a risk, but for the amount we're paying, it absolutely isn't, is it? I think it's a steal. I can't believe he negotiated that. Like, especially what were Fulham doing? Because you know they're adamant they wouldn't pay eight million. There's something on deadline day. Chelsea, like, yeah, here you go, pay three. Like, what, what, what was happening in those discussions? But um, <laughs> no, I mean, we all talk. I mean, some of our fans, obviously, Lee, I know you've obviously had it in the teeth of this about fans saying, "Oh, well, it's new Brighton model, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. 
Well, the Brighton model is selling it, selling players for maximum value and replacing them with players who can adequately post them for a cheap fee. And that's exactly what we've done with Johnson. We've sold Johnson for £47.5 million. Pounds, and we've brought in Hudson Doyle for £3 million. Realistically, like that is, and you know, that is exactly what the Brighton model is. That is basically Moneyball. And so I, I'm, I think realistically, he's the best place for Hudson Doyle is at Forest with Steve Cooper. And I'm really excited to see how he gets on. I really am. Because, and again, this is something we'll have to come on to. As sad as it is losing Johnson, you can, there's no guarantee we'll get that money on the table ever again. I mean, Hudson Doyle is a prime example. A few years ago, Bayern Munich offering £70 million to him. Chelsea threw him 120 bags a week to keep him to stay. And then what? He got a few injuries. Elite clubs moved fast and signed other players in that position. He never got a look in again. Now he's at Forest for £3 million a few years later. Like football moves so quickly. So, no, I, from, from a business perspective, I think we've done very well there. I'm intrigued to see how he gets on. I'm sure he'll be a success. Because if Cooper can get anything like that form back, then Jesus, we're in for a treat. We really are in for a treat. Yeah, he'll definitely get us off our seats. I'm not. I'm going to save obviously the best to last. But so Lee, we've got to talk about Divock Origi. I mean, was was there was a contemplation of getting Mishi Bashawai, and we've gone from that to 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 Divock, big Divock coming in, coming in hot. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't want to tempt fate, but my mate's an Everton fan and he texted me straight away and said, congratulations on your six points against Everton because that bastard always scores against us. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's... Um, do you know, it's weird because I didn't say this to you guys. I didn't say it to the other lads who I go to the games with, but I looked at... When I first heard that Divock Origi was potentially going to be available on loan this summer, I actually looked at that and thought, will that be Miltos as a little signing for us? Um and then, lo and behold, it goes to deadline day, and all of a sudden, it's Burnley and Forest that he's in talks with. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, disappointed with it at all. I think uh, he's definitely got something to offer. I'd rather have him than Batshuayi. Nothing against Batshuayi, but I just think that would have been a, yeah, not for me. I, I can't really put my finger on why. I don't think he's, he's just not, just wasn't for me. I just don't think he's the right fit for us. Probably a bit more of a mercenary than Origi will be. It's on loan. There is an option to buy, which is pretty cheap as well. So I, I can't see a lot wrong with it. I think crucially as well, it does give us a centre forward that will be available through the AFCON uh, next year. So yeah, lots to like. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to find a negative with it, to be fair. I mean, he's just come from AC Milan. We're signing players from AC Milan, for God's sake, on loan. I mean... He's if Champions you can't be positive, if you can't be positive this week when we've had the transfer deadline day that we've had, um, and then beating Chelsea away, I mean, when when will you ever be positive as a Forest fan? Yeah, I mean, a Champions League winner. And a, don't I forget, um, so, so, sorry, jumping. Don't Go forget on. Tyrese Fauna scoring an own goal for Derby to give Bolton three yeah, points. Absolutely. Well absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty good. It's, it's, it's all, been a good weekend for all, Forest fan. Yeah, it's it's all come up Millhouse, as I like to say. Oh, and uh, you. United burning about the refs today. It has. I mean, they got they got a penalty decision go their way when when it was an obvious clip. But yeah, we'll get, we'll we'll kind of press on. But for anyone that is not watching this on YouTube, Christian obviously flashed up his song of Saturday night, and I like the way you moved Divock Origi because that's what Liverpool fans <laughs> used to sing about him. I mean, that's. I mean, I hope we get that right going rather than do 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 Divock Origi in the. Stands, no, come, come I... on, let's get this right here. You know what we're gonna sing, Divock Origi, baby. <laughs> We're gonna sing that, aren't we? We're gonna, of course, we are. We put every player's name into that song. <laughs> Does no one know know any other popular no. songs from like the eighties or nineties at least? Um, yeah, well, we'll save the best. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Human League Reds, that's it. But we've saved the best to last. I mean, Christian, your head nearly fell off in our group chat. And I've, I was just literally like, why? what is wrong with you? Like, honestly, that's what I say to myself. Um, Ibrahim Sangare, as I've been told, that's how you say his name from when you look, listen to PSV fans say it as well. But by God, I never thought that this man was walking through the doors. Never mind pu- pulling off the shit of John Joe Shelby and taking the number six. I'm going to let both of you chime in. Christian, I'll let you chime in first. But what a stellar signing as a manager of the past, you would say. Definitely. It's certainly a big coup. I mean, I know I said earlier when we were first linked with him, I was a little bit concerned that none of the bigger teams had activated to try and sign him. But I think it will be their losses are gained, definitely, because I think he could be revolutionary. I think, um, like Reese said to us in his um, in our little chat, he said he could have a very similar impact to how Pelini has had at Fulham. And I could definitely see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean, as soon as like, you know, you just, as soon as deadline came, it was like, oh no, you saw all the rumours coming out from Holland that, oh, Forrest haven't sent the paperwork yet, Forrest haven't done this. I was like, it's fucking Camel Grisicki all over again. We'll send it through <laughs> at 1101. We'll lose our main target. Fucking EMAD at the fax machine. Fawaz back in for the night. Like, it, I, I could see exactly where it was going. And you can never take anything for granted of this football club. Like, as we said before, it's the easy way, the hard way, and the fucking forest way. And, and that 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 Sangare trans- Sangari transfer was the fucking forest way. Like we all thought it was done. We were looking at Wilfred and Didi. We were looking elsewhere. We were sort of thinking, can we shoehorn Dominguez in as um, the CDM? Can he play? Like you know. And then out of nowhere, it's like, oh yeah, he's a thirty million pound bid, by the way. After they qualified for Europe as well. And it's just like mm. we, we're all the illusion, like we're all sort of half supporting Rangers and hoping that if Rangers won that, they definitely have to sell him. But now it's sort of like I've cashed in anyway. So no, huge signing. Um hopefully, I think most importantly, it can really have a huge impact on how we play our football because having that type of player in there who isn't just a sort of like someone who just tackles and whatever else, someone who can actually advance play as well, that could be a huge, huge asset. I mean, as we said, as said with um on my Bamidele, for example, like he, he fits the type of the, pro, the forest profile to it's the modern day forest profile to a T, you know, athletic, strong, powerful, pacey, fast, you know, good in the ball. If we teams, like I said before, teams will not like losing the ball in our half or you know, because they'll just get swarmed straight away with our pace. And, you know, adding some legs into the midfield, it's, 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 it's like, it's, it's scary. It's weird to comprehend that we pulled this off. I know, obviously, like, you know, you saw Adam Craft and kick off, shock horror. But, you know, didn't say a fucking word when Tyler Adams left Leipzig to go to Leeds last season as a relegation threat inside. Didn't say a word when Paulinho went to, you know, Fulham. But when Forrest signed Sangara, it's a problem. But never mind. But um, very excited to see him play. And... I'm still even even though I've seen him holding the shirt, wearing the shirt, ripping off John Joe Shelby's number six shirt. I still don't fully believe he's our player. It's like some kind of myth. But um, so yeah, <laughs> when he actually like takes to the field against um, is it Burnley our first game afterwards? I think I might start yes. to believe it then. But yeah, it's incredible. Again, all those concerns. I mean, um, Lee, I'm sure you'll back me up on this. Not seen many Ross Wilson's a clown tweets in the last week or so. Which is um, well, fine, isn't it? Well, well, everyone's giving obviously the credit to George Sirianos emerging back in on the scene, but I, 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 it's a team effort, isn't it? It's all good for Forrest, but Lee, you have to give 
some absolute credit and bollocks to the ownership because they play they've played a blinder in selling Brennan Johnson for 47 and a half million pounds which we will get on to we'll pay our respects and, and obviously uh, memories to him but to for that that transfer to go through for them to allow us to get these seven players in on deadline day is sensational isn't it yeah amazing i mean it was so unforest, it was unbelievable to actually do everything you wanted to set out to do it. I always think deadline day kind of takes into three stages. So you have the morning where you're getting linked with lots of players, lots of players that you've kind of been linked with all summer and a couple of new links. And then you have a, a lull, I always think, around about the dinner time through to sort of five, six o'clock. And then you kind of get, right, we need to start ticking these off now because the, the clock is on. Um, and... I know that in our group chat we were getting a bit worried, weren't we? Because Rob Dorsey had been really positive all day that everything was done and it just needs. And then even he was starting to sound a bit like, I'm not really sure why it's not been done yet. Um, and he, he said 50 50 at one point about Origi, didn't he? So, yeah, I, I just think um, what an amazing signing. Just everything about it, getting rid of Johnson. I, I know that's not a great thing, but if you'd have said to me, we're going to sell Brennan Johnson for the money we have and we're going to end up with a squad that essentially gives us two decent options, at least, in every single position on the pitch. I mean, I'd have said, it'd be great, but this is Forest. We, we probably will have a few gaps still. Second year in the Premier League, it might be three or four years that we've got to get to before we see that. But no, fair play to the club. I think even the weirdos that seem to only tweet when something bad is to be said about the, the board or whoever, um, even they must be hard push now. I mean... Reminds me of the mojo where you've got a really angry face and then it's a mask with a really happy face. Because um, <laughs> these, these people have just got nothing better to do, have they? In terms of the Ross Wilson thing, it's all good and well saying, oh, it's Sirianos since he come back. It's not all. I mean, he's only, if we're led to believe what we read anyway, he's only in on a consultancy basis. So he's, he's probably got other irons in the fire and other clubs that he helps with transfers. So you can't kind of just say... Um, it's all Ross Wilson. It's all Sirianos and not Ross Wilson. Like you've said, Adam, it's a team effort. So, yeah, just such an unbelievable signing. I was just absolutely buzzing when it got announced. Um, I can't wait to see him in action, really. I mean, what does this say about kind of the pull of not only the Premier League, but of Forest as a whole? Because, I mean, some of these players we're bringing in are obviously elevated us so much. Well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Again, some people who like to put negative spins on things, the club to work for is not a happy place. It's not a happy place behind the scenes and uh, and staff aren't happy and players aren't happy. Well, why are we? how are we getting these players through the door? You're not telling me players don't speak to other players. You're not telling me that Sangari's had Serge Aurier on the phone and said, you know, what's this like? What's that like? Is it worth coming? Players talk to players. I mean, you've only got to look at Instagram in this day and age. Ilanga put a tweet on yesterday and there's three or four players that I think, how the, how the bloody hell does he know him? You know, really mm. positive about his performance. So players talk to each other and I, d I just don't think the true fan seriously knows what's actually going on behind the scenes at a football club. Um, what I think that signing does say is that Nottingham Forest is a place where, where players want to come and play the football. I mean, I think uh, you got to give credit to Morgan Gibbs White and Serge Aurier for tapping him up at uh, PSV. But absolutely, I mean, there's a there was obviously a sensational story that came out of this where a Forest fan had to get out of bed to come and be the translator because we couldn't find anyone French speaking around. Like I was like, surely you know he's on the way, so you'd have got that in. But what a, what a moment for that lad! So hopefully we'll be able to try and 
talk to him at some point during this international break because I'm sure it's a cracking story at least for for, for him and uh, something that will live living on in his memory but Christian obviously I know this is a bumper episode everyone right but it needed to be Christian are you, I do need to ask you this does this how much pressure does this put on Cooper to obviously get the balance right and the process of changing or adapting our style and obviously it gives us now the flexibility to kind of pick and choose when we play certain teams, does it not? It does. I mean, it does definitely give him more strings to his bow, if you like. I think beating Chelsea has probably helped because, let's say, for example, even if we do fumble the bag against Burnley, it's sort of like we've still got that to fall back on. We've still got better new players in sort of thing. So whereas I think had we lost yesterday and then slipped up against Burnley and it would have been right okay you've been back to the fucking hill now you've just lost these two games what's going on so you know so that Everton fans said to us that once upon a time that you're only three games away from a crisis in the top flight but um I think it's not going to be this overnight flick of the switch change mm. I mean I sort of think yeah, it's like got one, one time sort of earlier actually yeah it's going, to, it's going to take some time to bed in and we don't have the luxury of like having a winter world cup like last year either because I think the players that stayed behind last year, Johnson and Lawani especially, they were different players after that World Cup. I know Johnson went to the World Cup. He was there about 15 minutes as well as a shite. Sorry to any Welsh listeners, but you were. And like, so when they came back, they, they had this added impetus. Like Tywo especially, Tywo was a different player after the, after the World Cup break. Like, he was all arms and legs before, and like, you know, he was in the right place at the right time for a few goals. But you know, he had that miss against Leicester, remember? He wasn't trusted by Cooper. He was dropped and he went for that sort of false nine with Lingard, Gibbs, White and Johnson. He just didn't fancy him for a long period of time. After the World Cup, he came back as the tie where we see now, where he was throwing defenders around, bullying them, using his pace, trusting in himself, believing in himself. And obviously he got into the course. But um, so, you know, we don't have that sort of break where Cooper can get everyone together and go, right, OK, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to play. But so it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of balances getting his style of play that he wants to play across and obviously the bread and butter of points and getting those in the bag. But as we've, as we've said before, I know Lee, you've mentioned this before, good players don't take that long to adapt situations. So, and we've signed some good players. There's no getting away from that now. We have signed some very good players in this window. So hopefully it doesn't take too long. And hopefully, especially against, I think the one of the bigger tests might be a bigger test. Maybe Luton at home mid-October. I think we might start to see a bit more of a progressive flowing Forest side. A bit like the first half hour against Sheffield United, but maybe a bit better over the course of the game rather than just a short period. That'll be like the aim anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's just a little bit of a shame that the international break has come because we won't be able to kind of get all them players on the training field as such because I know I think a lot of them were going for international break, unfortunately. But... We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be all right, especially when we've. It's a nice game in a sense to have Burnley in that first one to to integrate some of these players. But like we've said, it's going to be hard to take the the shirts off off the current eleven because they they've put such a shift in in every game that they've played. So that's good. But I just want to get a, a, a player off each of you, including the the South Americans that was extensively covered by Nathan, who who really like jumps out at you and you think I'm extremely excited to watch them. I know it's been the summer of CDMs this, this year, but so I, I don't, ex- I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of you say Sangare, but Lee, who would you say? 
Um, I, I'm just going to disagree with your last point. I actually think it's a good time for the international break on the basis that we won yesterday. Um, I actually think the club now will be, the new players, it's a lot easier for them to integrate now. I just think the club will be buzzing. The training ground will be buzzing. They'll probably be back in Wednesday, Thursday. I know that some will be on international duty still. But I just think even when they're all back in by kind of, you know, towards the, the next game, the atmosphere will just be class. And I think it just allows everything to settle down a bit before we go ahead with our new squad. Um, Callum Munson Adoy, I'm, I'm going to go for Callum Munson Adoy for your question. Um, I'm, I am excited to see Sangare, but I just think I'm already expecting him to be class. Whereas I think Hudson Adoy has the potential to, with Cooper as manager, to really kick on. If he can stay fit, I think it's just intriguing because of how his career has kind of panned out since he was valued at ridiculous money and being linked with Bayern and, and Dortmund. Um, to always tormenting Forest every time he played us, um, to kind of going off the boil and hardly getting a game time last year at Leverkusen. Um, I couldn't believe he was only 22 when I was doing research for some stuff for work. Um, so I just think that's a really exciting one. Like Christian says, it ties in with the Brighton model of selling for the best you can get and signing cheap with the intention of that player being worth exactly the same. Well, Callum hudson has already been worth that much. So let's see if he can get back to that level. And I just think it'll be fascinating to find out. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, I, I as I said earlier, I'm very intrigued by Hudson Adoy, but just to be different, I'm going to go with Dominguez, and I've got a bit left field of that one because I think it's interesting. I know obviously Nathan's covered it very extensively as well, but Dominguez as an entity seems quite interesting because I mean, in theory, if we were to go just two midfields, and obviously we're assuming things here, but if it was like Sangare and Dominguez, that would cover both the going forward side and the defensive side with two. I think if we were to get the best out of this 3-4-1-2 formation, that would probably be the best way to replicate it, I think, with those two. Obviously, I know Ryan Yates has something to say about that, of course, but I think, generally speaking, I'm quite intrigued to see how that does pan out. I think that, you know, you don't... He's 25 years old. Uh, you don't play 11-odd times for Argentina, as a midfielder especially, if you're crap. So I'm very intrigued to see how he fits in and beds in, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a risk that none of these players work out, but because um, you never know. But I'm, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic we've done well here, and I really, and it's exciting in a lot of ways because it does feel as if we've laid some serious foundations for what could come in the future. Yeah, my my two pence worth on it. I know you guys haven't heard the extensive information I've got off Nathan from earlier because we're recording this now and I've not played it to you. But I got really excited when he was talking about Murillo. I just thought like, especially I know YouTube confirmations aren't anything to, you shouldn't really go off any of them, but he just looks like a player can progress through the thirds, quick, strong, can play a cross field ball, lovely left foot. I mean, I don't, there's not many players left footed that, that don't strike a ball uh, aesthetically uh, pleasing. Uh, so he's, he's someone I'm really excited for. Nathan really bigged him up as like one of the next big centre backs to come from, from that division. And then, his versatility to play in a two or a three. So that, that excites me especially. But before we obviously round up and say our goodbyes, hopefully we'll be back during the international break with a few bits and bobs and, and, and all sorts. I do want to give uh, Brennan Johnson the courtesy of some some memories from, from us, obviously, because in this saga of where we've kind of saying, is he going? Is he staying? We wasn't quite sure if Tottenham would end up paying the fee that we wanted. He's been an ultimate professional at the end of the day. Uh, he's not kicked up a fuss. He's not down tools and complained. And and what you get from a lot of 
big players uh, in the past. I think he's really handled it well. So I, I'd like to say thanks to him because he gave us a great season in the championship. He gave us all last season and helping us keep us up. He won some valuable points. So I think Brennan Johnson deserves all the plaudits and I wish him well. We we wish him well really for his career. It's a great club to go to, Tottenham, in my eyes. And I think he might enjoy himself with Ange Ball, though the first meeting with Richarlison might not go down too well. But we'll, we'll see about that. But Lee, what, what was your favourite Johnson moment? Um, a favourite moment of mine, I think, was at a game that I wasn't actually at. Um, the second leg of the playoffs. Um, sorry, the first leg of the playoffs against Sheffield United. Just putting the... It was supposed to put the seal on, wasn't it? I know we conceded late, but I don't know. Just in front of our own fans, just the roaring emotion that came out with that second goal. I think... I just genuinely thought there was belief there. And I just genuinely... I don't know. It couldn't have been a better player for that to happen to. Obviously, the celebration after and even Cook smoking the firework, wasn't he, after that? And all that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff that came with it. So, yeah, I mean, there's loads of moments. It's hard to pinpoint one. That one just sticks in my mind because I just... Having seen the what you know, watching it on the telly and that, and the roar of the crowd and Johnson's reaction, it was just. I just think, like I said on the last part, I just hope we don't get. I mean, I've not seen any yet, to be fair, so I don't think it'll be the case. I just hope we don't get the whole, oh, he's crap anyway. We've seen it with Spence, oh, he can't defend, and all the all these myths come to light when you sell a player. It they should just be parked and kept to your you know, own opinions with that because it's complete bollocks. He wasn't crap, it was quality. Um. In terms of our academy, for me, he's probably the best player that's came come through it and had an impact on the Forest team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fair play to him. I wish him the absolute best of luck. Um, he scored against Derby a couple of times as well, didn't he? Which is always, they're always good moments. Um, he just struck me as a player that gave, not gave everything as in Ryan Yates does, but he was always a bit like Joe Lolly did in the sense of when things went bad, it kind of impacted him. You could tell that he felt bothered by his poor performances. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I wish him the best of luck, and it's interesting to see how he'll do at Tottenham because I think I mean Darren Bent went to town, didn't he? he? Doesn't think he's anywhere near as good as the players they've got, and this, that, and the other. But I think in a team that plays like Poster Coglu wants them to play, he um, he, he could thrive in that system with more of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see. And as a Forest fan who's loved watching him play, then you know I, I do hope he smashes it there. To be fair, except for when they play us. Yeah, Christian, your thoughts. Um, it's weird. I mean, it's testament to how good Brian Johnson is that he was the only man that could secure Chris Hewton a point in that awful, awful seven-game run of the season where we didn't win any games. Um, obviously, lost the other six, didn't we? He scored against Derby. Um, uh, it's, it's hard. I think in terms of pure euphoria, I think you know you look at the, the, the first goal, of the second leg against Sheffield United. I mean, even then, not like, the way we played after that. Like, you know, that was such an important goal. We had a bollocks take a penalty. Arkansas scored one. That has to be up there. Um, you know, there are so many. I think been the first player since his dad to score in both playoff legs as well. I think that's what he did, didn't it? Um, yeah. You know, he's obviously scored the home and away legs. Yeah. Um, you know, the goal against Leeds to win 1 0 last season, that was so important. Uh, obviously, scoring twice against Derby, the winner against Derby in turn one, those it turned out. If I the Spurs, the Spurs thought, asked me earlier on that podcast for them, and they said, like, you know, does he turn up in like big games or rival games? I was like, yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> like, generally speaking, <laughs> we don't obviously, I don't really count Leicester as a rival. We've got three goals against them. Scored twice against Sheffield United. We've got a lot of needle with them. Scored twice against Derby. Obviously, hate them more than anything. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's so many moments. I think it's just, 
I agree with you, Adam, in that I think he will be a good fit at Spurs. He'll have more possession. He'll utilise his strengths more. Um, you know, he he'll be in. He'll grow as a player very well there, and I'm I'm excited to see his development. I'm very very pleased for him. Like, you no, know, I think it's it's a best. It's a good move for all concerns. In an ideal world, I'd absolutely love to have seen him stay and, and still got Sangari. Sangari, Sangari, Salah, Ben Pumas, no, but um, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. And um, I love to have seen them two on the same pitch in the Forest shirt together. But these things happen, I suppose, and you no know, needs must. But yeah, um, to pick an isolated moment, I probably would say that the second goal against Derby, that two-one win, is because mm. I mean. The limbs in the crowd when that win it was fucking insane. Like it was, it was uh, that was such a good day. Like you know, from Upper Bridgeford throwing the fake fivers at them, you know, to Ravel Morrison getting <laughs> sent off at the ends, like to just putting them in their place, singing "We'll never play you again." Like it was just ultimate, <laughs> ultimate, like one up, one up in your rivals. And Johnson was the one who sealed that for us. So yeah, I think that would be mine. I think. Yeah, I think there's there's obviously moments that. We won't forget, like, I mean, he scored three times against Everton last season, 2-2 and the 1-1, the where it's the first away goal in the Premier League, which was fantastic. Obviously, You've all mentioned all the really, really good moments. But for, for me, I think the game where I think, yeah, you've arrived was Blackpool away in the championship promotion season. I think the, the volley he scored, the, the technique was brilliant. And then the, the chip was audacious. So... I kind of thought, yeah, you, you've got some here, kid. Um, I would, like I said, I wish him all the best. The, he has frustrated me at a lot of times where you think, why, why are you not hanging out more wide and why aren't you going to beat a man, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a young lad. He'll definitely do well for Spurs in, in that in that system. So, yeah, we wish him all the best and good, good luck, Brennan. So that is it. But if you've enjoyed this episode of Red Side of Trent. I know it's been a bumper one. Hopefully you've stuck with us till the end. Uh, we've really appreciated all the slept on it thought comments uh, this this uh, this season so far. We'll keep them coming absolutely throughout. Uh, and, and Nathan coming on to join us as a guest a couple of times already this season. It's been a entertaining start to say the least. Six points from four games would have all snapped your hands off for that. Absolutely, hundred percent, guys. I think you'd you'd both agree. Reese definitely would agree. I would like to think so. Yeah, hopefully, when we come back after the break to play Burnley, it will be just as happy room here at Red Side of the Trent. Uh, thank you very much. Come on, you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.